Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone, welcome to Series 2, Episode 9 of the Teachers Podcast. So in this episode, I interviewed Clem Studholm at One Day Creative, all about why performance is important in the primary classroom. He made a really good case for it, but I'll let Clem talk to you about that later in the show. So I'm sure like me, you've said before, the whole day of teaching is a performance. We have to act like we're disappointed when one of the children in our class made a rude but funny noise. We have to act like the assembly message is the best in the world, even though our minds are on how much marking we've got to get through. We act on parents' evening, choosing our words in the most careful way. We are always performing. The classroom is our stage. In Clem's interview, he talks about drama as problem-solving, innovating and relating to each other. Most of which educational experts agree we need more of in our classroom especially with the ever-changing picture of the future of work and how automation will feature in our lives in the future. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe or follow the Teachers Podcast on your preferred listening platform so you can keep up to date with new episode releases. I'm also on Twitter as at Claire underscore Riley underscore TP. So I look forward to connecting with you on there. Let's get to my chat with Clem. So Clem, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. So I'm really excited about this episode because we were just having a conversation before. I feel like I've done a lot of writing episodes and this one is about performing art. So we have that in common. That's kind of my route, which people who listen to the podcast would already know. So how about you just tell me everything that we need to know? Everything. Oh, well, that's a great question to start with. I feel like you could contribute just as much as, as I could to this. And maybe I'll start interviewing you um, and getting some please, tips off you. <laughs> please don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, so uh, everything you need to know about performing. So my name's Clem. Uh, I'm National Creative Manager at One Day Creative Education. And um, we really believe that, that, that creativity in education, performing arts, drama, dance, movement, uh, the visual arts as well, immensely important for children's well-being, immensely important for children's academic uh, abilities. And um, yeah, we're putting that forward as our, as, our, as our pitch to schools. We work in primary schools, secondary schools, and uh, deliver digitally, as well as offering uh, uh, yeah, CPD for teachers and staff across the country. So, where did you where did your journey start in performing arts then? Oh, well, when I was a child, um, I always wanted to be an actor, as I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, and I, I I went to university, studied drama at Liverpool John Moores University. Absolutely loved it, um, and and loved performing, loved loved being on the stage. But halfway through that, I went to Italy, and I studied. Uh, English as a foreign language, teaching English as a foreign language, um, lived there for about six months in total, worked with families, involved myself in the culture and, and taught children English. And the way that that was introduced to me wasn't chalk and talk. It wasn't um, you write on the board and the children will learn it. It was immersive. It was involving for the children. We were uh, fluent English speakers, uh, all the teachers there. And children loved it. They loved being involved and immersed. And at the end of every single little uh, camp or, or school that we went to, the children did a performance. And that performance was something that they looked forward to from the beginning of the week before they'd even started. And it gave them an aim and a purpose and uh, gave them a reason to learn this language that perhaps they, they didn't see the point in. Something that was quite um, conceptual, was quite uh, out there. They didn't see the purpose of learning this language. This performance gave them a purpose. And I loved, I loved that. That was a fantastic experience. So, um, so yeah, I, I taught in Italy for, for six months and I came back, I graduated. And as you do, when you graduate from drama, I went and worked in Marks and Spencer's for a little bit. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, yeah, we, we all know the story. Um, That's I why in... I did teaching because it was <laughs> Oh, I loved it. I worked in, I worked in ladies trousers, but not in ladies trousers, but, um, in the department for ladies trousers it was wonderful and I had a great time there but but I did miss <laughs> did miss teaching 
um, and I missed working with children and working with young people. And so I just started applying for jobs, working in a, what is, um, what a lot of people know as theatre and education. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've, you've heard of theatre and education. And um, now I don't want to do theatre and education down, but I'm sure we can all remember that time in school when we were uh, watching a performance in year nine and we saw yeah. some, some cheesy actors drinking a, an empty can of Stella and, um, and, and, <laughs> and just feeling totally cringe, you're just cringing at them. Because To be fair, I just enjoyed it because it meant Did that I didn't, have to, I didn't have to have a lesson. I was like, oh, yes, the performers Brilliant. are coming in today. Yeah, it's great. And, and it is wonderful. And there, there, there are some moments where it really does capture a mood. Um, but often, often it can be really, really cheesy. Um, and so I went into theatre and education and I worked doing workshops instead involving um, myself teaching children. Um, and I must have in the first two years of going into, into schools in that work, work must have gone into over 400 schools, 400 different schools across the country, um, went to uh, schools in, in the north of Ireland, went to schools in Europe, obviously taught in Italy, from Scotland, the tiniest little school with 11 pupils down to um, wow. big, big comprehensives. Um, and I had such an experience of working with so many different children. It was brilliant, really, really loved it. And so I just kept going um, and I applied for lots of different jobs as a self-employed um, freelancer working up and down the country with lots of different organizations. Um, and then I took a break uh, and I thought I wanted an office job, uh, which was which was fun. Um, and I do you know what? It wasn't an, any ordinary office job. I've um, I worked for a charity. Uh, unfortunately, they, they don't exist anymore called The Challenge. And they um, they were about social inclusion. So bringing people together. And it was a youth work charity working with 16, 17 year olds um, from working with people from all different backgrounds. But I was working during the summer, obviously, as a self-employed uh, creative education facilitator and, and specialist. The summers were quite empty for me. Often I could do a, a summer school. But this this organization was really interesting. We used to go away, do um, outdoor education um, and bring people back so that they could create their own uh, social action project in their own community. And I used to do youth work on that course. I, I worked as a support worker one-to-one -one with children. I also worked as a behavior specialist and managing the whole program. Um, and I loved it. It was, it was brilliant. So anyway, I took a break from working in schools to go and work for, for this organization in recruitment and uh, managed to be part of a team that recruited uh, 3,500 summer staff um, every single year, which was brilliant. And recruitment was really interesting. It gave me some real insight into how um, social enterprises work, how larger businesses work, but also how that can be brought back into schools. So I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes that's really helpful to bring outside experience into schools and, and find other, uh, other avenues that can be useful um, in, in schools. So I did that for four or five years, which was brilliant, fantastic. But do you know what? I missed teaching. I missed, missed working with children. I missed the engagement, the joy, the, the laughter, the, 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 I tell, tell you what, working with adults is harder than working with children sometimes. <laughs> it really is. Um, so then I went back and uh, uh, started working with One Day as, as National Creative Manager. And yeah, from there, One Day have grown so much. We've done absolutely loads. Just recently, um, we're, we're developing digital learning platforms. We are um, working up and down the country. We've worked internationally now, um, got schools on board all the way across the world, um, delivering drama, music and movement in schools. Um, but the, the curriculum, not just, not just wellbeing exercise, but the curriculum through drama, music and movement, through performance um, and uh, yeah, supporting, supporting teachers as well, doing CPD, like I said earlier, doing CPD workshops and, um, and, and supporting them because it is a whole, a whole school approach. It's not just we tackle the children in one day or, or, or work, with, um, work with just the teachers. We want everybody to be involved. It's definitely a, a, cultural, a cultural change that, that needs to happen in schools for children to love performing and creativity. So that is my story. I hope it was of interest. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a look at your website yesterday, actually. Um, yeah, because you've got loads of different um, sort of workshops on different, well, well, I saw history topics. I think that's quite useful, really. Yeah, history, um, got wellbeing workshops. We have workshops on um, obviously PSHE things like cyberbullying and, um, 
and keeping safe online, anti-bullying workshops, um, workshops across the curriculum. So, so, so many different, so many different workshops at One Day Creative Education. And the digital learning is, is really exciting. Um, I'm really proud of what we've developed. It's like a mix. I mean, everybody in the primary sector knows Twinkle now. Um, Twinkle are absolutely top notch at what they do. Uh, so we're developing the sort of the Netflix, the Twinkle of Netflix, a combination of both. So you can watch the videos uh, and, and, and perform along with them um, because that interaction between people, especially at the moment, and, I, and I'm sorry to mention that the current pandemic, but it had to come up at some point. We always yeah, do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but, but that means that some people can't get into schools or we can't go out as much. We can't, can't do that creativity. So this, this helps yeah. bring it in and it helps, helps bring it to the wider audience so that it's not just a one day thing where, where a facilitator or an outside agency will come in you can embed it in your teaching and, and do it yeah. weekly, daily, um, monthly, whatever suits you. Yeah, just a question um, on your on your story. Can you speak Italian then? See, si? uh, <laughs> a, a little bit, not very much. I used to be able to when I was out there. Can you? Are you? Do you speak any other languages? Um, I, I probably can speak a little bit of Serbian. Um, Serbian more than ed um so ed's, ed's family um so his granddad was half italian actually and half serbian but he was he was born in serbia um wow. I, so we do visit serbia sometimes but he's terrible at it and i actually attempt to learn some of it <laughs> but I no i also am not very very no very good um i could I be better I don't think I've ever met anyone who spoke Serbian, so that's that's a new one for me. Yeah, when you say speak Serbian, <laughs> okay. I, can, I can say hello and things. <laughs> anyway, let's get move by. on from that because I don't yeah. want to get tested. So, <laughs> um, is there a reason then? So you you did a lot of theatre in education. You've come back to education. Did you never fancy sort of doing a PGC and doing your teaching? Um, no, that's a really interesting, really interesting question and something that I've thought about at various points throughout my career. Um, and I've been offered offered some some direct learning in schools. Uh, head teachers have approached me to, to come and work with them and work in their schools to become a teacher. A um, couple of reasons I didn't. Uh, firstly, I really believe that creativity in schools and, and performing arts and the way that we that we teach, not just at one day, but across the sector, is immensely important and, and I, f I feel strongly about that. It's what I love to do. Um, and I do think that the performing is immensely important because, um, because so we look at, look at education systems in, in places like Finland, for example, where the, the focus, especially in the early years, up until the age of seven, is how to get along with each other and how to work together. And you look at the levels of happiness in, in countries like Finland and, and, and the way that they're measured and actually, that happiness levels are hugely increased in places like that, where the education system is focused on on the human being, especially at an early age. Mm. Um, and I think that, that especially with the mental health crisis that's happening in, in the country at the moment, we need to be focusing on what can we do to support our children and ourselves and, and, and the wider community to become happier, weller, um, and so I, I really, truly believe in that. So I, I think I wanted to stick to my focus, um, which was performing arts and education. Uh, that was one of the reasons I didn't become a teacher. Um, and secondly, I really love the variety of, of my, my job. Um, like I said, I've been in youth work. I've been teaching abroad. Um, I, even now, I, I still do some recruitment. I work for a, an organization called Now Teach, which, which recruits career changes into, into schools. Um, so people who are a little bit older, maybe worked in banking or journalism or finance, um, coming into teaching and coaching them, coaching them into it, uh, finding out their purpose and their motivation. So I love the variety of my role. I have residencies in school, so I go in every single week to, to two schools, actually, um, who I, I just love working with. Um, I have the same classes every week. So the variety of my role is just is what is what keeps me here. So yeah, never never quite had the time to to do teaching as a as a PGC, but I'd love to. And um, so you kind of do do it really, don't you? Just just in a slightly different way, I suppose. Um, obviously, I did performing arts when I was a secondary school teacher, and um, you know, I did wonder at first. Um, I knew some people who would have a secondary subject and just teach that in in primary. So I knew somebody who just taught ICT, somebody who just taught modern foreign languages, and I did wonder at one point, oh, could I just teach dance? Um. 
but it was in that time really when they started cutting the funding for all that so you know yeah it was unfortunate and it yeah it's that's massively unfortunate especially considering just how important it is um i can talk i could talk forever about why why performing arts why creativity is important um i guess that's i guess that's why i'm here <laughs> yeah <laughs> so to talk about it on that then so why is why is performing a skill that we should be nurturing in school then so i think performing is is the uh, is often seen as the end result of uh of a rehearsal process and it's very very linear but actually performing happens in all stages so um there's a sociologist called Irvin goffman who talks about um the mask that we put on as ourselves and i'm sure all the teachers out there can can identify with having a teacher mask on when you're in front of a class you are you are yourself but you do have a veneer of i i am this person and i know when i first went into a classroom you certainly get imposter syndrome like should i really be teaching this am i am i in the right place but you eventually work your way into it and you you, you perform to a certain extent when you're when you're when you're teaching um and so do students and so does everyone else so this idea of performing isn't just about a performance at the end of high quality art drama dance music it it weaves its way into our life and actually um we are we're becoming a society where a lot of things are becoming mechanized and computerized um and a lot of the facts can be regurgitated but actually how we get along with each other how we um empathize with each other how we solve problems moral spiritual creative problems um how we innovate this is becoming much more important not just in work but in our in our lives in our personal development so i think that performing and creativity and learning how to do that because it's a muscle it's a skill that we need to train and um, learning how to do that is immensely important um especially as as the world changes so that's why i think not just performing is important but the whole process is important of creativity and creativity can happen in all subjects it can happen in uh, history and maths and science in uh in in drama obviously in geography in all the subjects in secondary and primary level um so i'm i i really do i really do think that it's important for all of those reasons um and also drama is one of those subjects so i always laugh and say i did drama at university because uh because you could never be wrong so you always <laughs> just be a tree. Oh, I can't be wrong doing that. It's great. Um but actually that idea of being able to make mistakes and it being okay is all right. It's okay often. Sometimes we do need we do need facts and we do need we do need figures and we do need to learn what has happened. We need to learn context. Um but making mistakes is all right. And and in drama we're sort of allowed to make mistakes and that's quite that's quite fun. Yeah. I like that. I like that's probably why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so then, what impact have you seen in schools as a result of teaching drama and and cultivating those skills? What changes? Oh, so you could talk on a I guess from a cultural level, a whole school level, you could talk about changes there. Um but my first thoughts turn to individual children individual pupils and just the the instant impact that often drama dance music workshops can can have an art workshop as well visual art workshops as well um so one day the biggest uh the biggest piece of feedback that we often receive is i can't believe you got <laughs> i i'm paraphrasing here i can't believe you got that child to do this um or this this child hasn't spoken in 2 years but they were speaking by the end of your workshop and that's an hour or a day um and those individual pupils that you see change in that day uh it it really is magnificent um and hopefully it's a stepping stone for them to find out that yeah it's it's okay to do to speak or to to enjoy this workshop or to wriggle around a little bit where perhaps um fidget where you, where you don't where you, where you were told not to before um those individual moments we get those daily uh, definitely if not definitely weekly but daily we get those pieces of feedback so the instant impact on some children who who have been underconfident or shy or scared or haven't worked in a team or haven't worked in a group or haven't spoken out in a while um those are the real meaningful pieces that really really make 
make me and make everybody in the office as well at one day and everybody um everybody we share it uh, we, we share that feedback um across the across the organization makes us go yes that's why we do it on a wider level um the impact and you see some schools who really embed the performing arts in their learning and performances not just performances but presentations and uh, longer term creative projects um, because creative education isn't just performance, uh, but longer term creative projects, if they embed that in their in their curriculum, um, you see children who are willing to get on with each other, who are willing to to um, own their learning and enjoy their learning. And that idea of enjoying learning is um, when I was at school, actually, I was quite lucky, but often I would I would not want to be there. You're a teenager, aren't you? We, sometimes we, <laughs> I, think, I think we can forgive them all for that. There wasn't enough drama in your school. Uh, there, well, there definitely was, you know, there definitely was. <laughs> there was definitely drama. I could tell you lots of drama, but I think that's more on a, <laughs> more on a gossip level. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love it. So um, I'm sorry, I've lost my thread now. I'm just rambling. It's what I do. So, <laughs> um, so what impact have you seen? Um, in schools oh, yeah. so you talked oh. about individual levels now you're on wider level <laughs> i'm glad you're glad you're following me um so on a wider level uh yeah you see that actually the whole school gets involved in performances the whole school loves it and and teachers gaining confidence as well um teachers school staff uh the whole school fe feels better as a result and i think that um an slt will know this but culture in schools and I'm just just on on the brink of becoming a governor at school, which I'm very excited mm -hmm. about learning about how to uh, how to influence culture and how to how decisions are made and all of that. Um, I think that that's immensely important, and the culture that we shape in a school doesn't just affect the teachers and the staff; it affects everybody. It affects the whole school community and uh, and the outside community, the the wider area, the, the houses around the school, the people who live in the area. And that's massive, and that's a, that's societal change. Um, so, so that's why I think performance is important because learning how to get on with each other and learning how to problem solve and 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 create and innovate um, affects society. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm okay. being grand. Maybe I'm being grandiose about it. I don't know. <laughs> there are a lot of other a uh, lot of other um, there are a lot of other factors involved, but but I do think that that's an important one. Yeah, I think. Um... It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think as a teacher, you either get drama or you're really afraid of it. And I suppose it's really easy to go, right, we're going to do a play. <laughs> um, but you don't yeah. necessarily know if that's, um, if you're cultivating the right skills, if it's just playtime. Because the thing is, for a child as well, I remember when I um, sort of got into drama, I was probably... Uh, well, I did the productions at, at lunchtime, but then when you, we did a lot of improvisation in my GCSE, which was um, well, when I was 14. And I remember thinking, like, I constantly had flashbacks to being like eight in the school playground because wow. it just felt like, but, but that's what I was doing then. <laughs> it, was, it, it was all a big drama. And when I look at my four-year-old now, everything is imaginative play. It's just drama. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the adults world at word for saying, Oh, I'm just gonna play. So it's got it's got that <laughs> negative connotation, hasn't it? And so I think in that way it's it's difficult for teachers. But so what what can a te teacher do? How how can a teacher, um, especially if they're not sort of confident in knowing that it's not just playing around? Yeah what three things could they try and, and information could you give them so they know when they're in the classroom actually what I'm doing is a good thing and valuable and not just extra play time yeah absolutely um and you know I have a joke I have a joke with my, my with the children that I work with um I always say don't go back to your teachers and just say we played games tell them we've done educational activities um <laughs> and the, the, the children get it they love it but I, I I coming back to your point I think that actually um play is an important part it's yeah. a really important part of, of what we do and we shouldn't shy away from that that's all right to play sometimes and even for older children even at secondary school um uh you might think that play is, oh no, it's it's not important, but that playfulness, like I said, talked about earlier, it it breeds 
it breeds empathetic humans it breeds um people who are problem solving teamwork how to get along um and and it's and it is fun and it's learning in different ways it's learning different things um so i would i don't know just 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 going off your question i guess the first thing I, i'd say is is do play don't be afraid of um we all know that the best teachers and the people who work in schools are, are those those real those real um real teachers who who talk to the children as if they're, they're human beings and I mean, they are human beings. We all know that. Um, but we talk to talk to children on a, on a very real and honest um, on an honest level. Um, and I think that sometimes we do need to let loose a little bit and let them see us as as human beings as well and having fun and making mistakes, because if we can make mistakes, they're all right to make mistakes sometimes and they can build themselves up to be better next time. So I would say the first thing, let's go with, let's, if you ask for three things, the first thing I'd say is definitely um, don't be afraid to play, don't be afraid to smile and laugh with your students um, and, and allow them to enjoy it because it's, it, it is really is a wonderful experience and you'll find that actually the relationship you build, it'll, it'll improve behaviour because they've seen you on a real level, it'll improve their engagement with your subject, it'll improve, um, like I said, the culture of, culture of your classroom. Um, so play. Oh, you asked for three, so I've got to think of two more, haven't I now, Claire? Yeah. Uh, all right then. So what else can we try? I think um don't be afraid to I, I mean I feel like I'm giving advice to people who, who who teach in classrooms every day and like I said be yourself take this with a pinch of salt and work it on on your level. Don't don't if I'm giving it speaking directly to a teacher here. Work with it on your level. Um don't don't feel like you need to be me or be someone else. Or, or be drama, be a performing artist, be an actor. You don't have to do any of that. Just be yourself um, and try it. So th this is this is the second one, or there's two points, but it's just the second point because I've got a third. Um, but just try it. Just 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 have a look at some um, amazing resources. So Ken Robinson is a brilliant uh, speaker on this subject. Um, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, died. Um, quite recently but he's a brilliant speaker on the subject there's a great ted talk which i think afforded you claire as well about creativity in schools and he talks mm -hmm. really passionately about why it's important um so i'd say have a little watch of that and and do, just have a little google of him um joe winston as well is a brilliant a brilliant man who 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 has some brilliant books out there about activities that you can do um but if i was going to give some advice to someone i guess who's a teacher you can't go and read all those books. We don't have the time to do all that. We don't have the time to to research and, and have that luxury. So um, what I'd say is just have a Google of a drama game or a performing arts game and use it as a starter in your lesson. 10 minutes worth. Um, a simple one. Uh, Claire, do you want to play a game now? Go on. Uh, of course, it's a really simple one. All right, then we'll give this we'll give this an example and you guys can have this. Uh, so, Claire, can you count to three? One, two, three. You're, you're, you're very smart. Now we're going to count to three together. So I'm going to say one, you're going to say two. I'm going to say three. Then we start again. So you say one, two, three, one, two, three. Perfect. Now, instead of saying one, we're going to clap our hands. Okay. Um, so don't say the word one. We're just going to clap our hands and we need to try and make sure we've got a good rhythm, a good flow, uh, but without, uh, without stumbling too much. So we'll start nice and slow. I'll start. Two, three. Two. Three. Two. Three. Perfect. We're doing well. Claire, you're you're brilliant at this. You can tell you've it's got like, a... <laughs> let's, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. You can tell you've got a uh, you've got a performing arts background because you're brilliant. Right. Now instead of two, we're going to um we're gonna tap our table. You got a table in front of you? Yep. Yeah, we'll just tap the table in front of us then. Okay, this is warming up both sides of our brains now. Here we go. So we've got a clap and we've got a tap. Are you ready? I'll start. Three. Three. There you go. <laughs> Three. <laughs> I can see your face, so I'm sure the listeners probably can't hear, but I can see you really working things out in your head. Um, what am I doing? I don't, yeah, first of all. And then the third one, um, so we're sat at a desk. Let's go with that. Click our fingers. All right, so um, now we're just not speaking, non-verbal communication. Um, we're just going to go clap, tap, and click. Um, and okay. let's try and keep the rhythm. All right, then. It's a nice starter. It just warms our brain up. It's a bit of fun. Uh, I'll start. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, <laughs> fantastic. And how did you feel doing that? What was it like? 
Um, yeah, we're getting uh, getting back into it. I needed to concentrate a lot. Yeah, it's that concentration and that focus. And and at the beginning of a class, um, that's exactly what we need to to do is is bring a bit of energy into the class, but also bring that focus. Um, and I think it's a nice starter activity. Take it in any class. Um, you might think it's not performance, but it's 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 a drama game. It's a drama game straight up. And um, and so yeah, I would recommend just using drama activities. Get a little book. There's another guy called Glyn uh, Glyn Trevor Jones who writes lots of drama menus. Uh, he, he's brilliant. Just really simple activities that you can do in five minutes to start 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 in the class. So say if you are then like a really unconfident teacher um, in terms of um, drama and thinking, oh, no, especially if your school said, right, OK, we're going to do drama in our lessons now. Yeah. And sometimes that happens, you know, where sort of schools will go, right, we're going to do this. And then you don't really feel like you've, you've got the tools for it. Um, what about the actual subject? So we've talked about being mm -hmm. a bit of a starter, but say, for example, because, you know, I've looked on your website, you've got things for different history topics. What was if you were teaching the Romans in Key Stage 2? Like, how could you bring that in so that children... Because at the end of the day, I think, okay, why is it important to to bring performance in? From, from my experience, I'm thinking, okay, well, I personally think it would help children understand more of how the people felt mm -hmm. um, and what they experienced. And because I've been active, it would also help me to retain that knowledge. So can you give us an example of what, what you might do, what a teacher could actually do? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so um, the Romans is a really interesting example, actually. And uh, uh, one day we have got, um, we have, so it's one day dot uno is the new digital learning resource from one day. And it's absolutely brilliant. There's, there's, dozens and dozens and dozens of resources on there updated um, monthly at the moment there's just a new world war ii drama activity come out and it's um it's co-facilitated so it's not just stick a video on and hope the children will get on uh the teachers actively get involved or the tas actively get involved it is designed for primary at the moment um so there's lots of primary content on there and there is a romans one that was one of the first ones we filmed um and i, I love doing it so what can a teacher do to teach to teach roman bits and pieces now um roman the roman topic so storytelling and i think your guest last week was talking about storytelling storytellings and and she was a pe i mean i don't this is when we were recording obviously so lauren yeah lauren so it might not be it might not be last week when people are listening mm -hmm. um she was talking about storytelling and from a pe perspective which was really interesting um i love this this whole cross-curricular and the idea that storytelling comes into pe as well but it comes into history um, and we might in a key stage two classroom, we might write an, an article, a newspaper article. We might do some descriptive writing. Um, we might write biographies and some, and some factual writing. Um, and we might be practicing under the current government, uh, our spelling, punctuation and grammar. Now we can bring all of that into a performing arts lesson. And that's what we do, um, every single day, all our facilitators across the country. That's what they do is they bring. Um, they bring all these topics and all these bits together, even parts of the PE curriculum. So sequencing dance or sequencing movement, um, bring it all together under one roof. So what we might do, let's give you, let's give you an example. Freeze frames are a brilliant place to start um, or still images. Some people like to call them tableaus if they're, uh, they're, they're feeling um, especially posh. So our, our freeze frames, I'm going to call them freeze frames. Why not? Um, it's easier to understand. So as a freeze frame, um, Let's let's take a story. Let's take the story of uh, we've got Romans. We've got Julius Julius Caesar, unfortunately, being killed by Brutus. Um, that's a story in itself. Now, you can you can take the whole story, the wider story of Caesar's rule, or you can look at just that particular moment. Um, and what I'd say was in small groups. So we've got groups of threes or fours, no more than six. Um, as I'm sure a lot of teachers know, over six, you just have wild, crazy ideas and, and people not getting along. But threes and fours usually work well. Um, in a little group of three or four, in a separate area, in 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 a school hall, hopefully, um, create a freeze frame of before Caesar's murder, uh, so you can tell the story of how Brutus crept up on him and stabbed him in the back. Um, but before Caesar's murder, you can think about all the different characters that might have been there: Caesar's helpers, Caesar himself, Brutus, all of that. Create that freeze frame, um, and children will. You can give them a couple of minutes. 
And then we want the moment of Caesar's death. Uh, so that's always an exciting one, and I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Especially if you've got red ribbons. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're thinking artistically now. Beautiful. <laughs> I think the, the Royal Shakespeare Company did that quite recently. Uh, or I saw it in the, the Liverpool Everyman. I can't remember. Um, anyway, yeah, the moment of it. Children love that for, for, for some reason. Um, and then afterwards, what's happened? What's the result of that? What happens after? Are people happy? Are people sad? How do they feel about this? And there you've got three freeze frames. So first of all, you've got sequencing, PE curriculum. You've got um, gross motor skills. So you've got people being able to control their bodies and show good movement. You've got empathy. So people showing facial expressions, trying to put themselves in someone else's shoes. You've got the historical facts. So you might find that um, you might find that you want to go and research what Caesar's last words were, and they're not what Shakespeare put in his um, in his play. Uh, I can't remember what they really are now off the top of my head, but um, you can research that and, and and start to speak them out loud in the freeze frame with some thought tracking or some or, or some character work. Um, you can discuss who, what what who was around Caesar at the time, what the context was. You've got so much there that you can start to delve in. But you've started off by doing a performance, and it's mm. all started via uh, via three freeze frames, which took ten minutes to make. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'd say um, is a really good way to start with the Romans. But again, there are so many different activities out there. I, I can't I can't speak to all of them. Do do check out resources online. Um, yeah, the One Day website and also other places, like I say, um, with some other books as well. I think it's important to have somewhere to start, isn't it? Because otherwise you just think, oh, I've got to do a play. But actually what you've done there in your description is that you you've directed that quite closely. Um, and you've started small and then you've built on it and you've built on it and it's and it's a case of we have to put those um that scaffolding in place rather yeah. than just going oh, off you go um so then um so Stuart Tiffany who was on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago by the time this goes out it will maybe a couple of months but um so he is Mr. T does primary history. So he had a, a good question, which is why I asked you a history question just then. Okay. Um, so he says, have you got any particular tips for ensuring creativity, but also accuracy in terms of knowledge application? So when they, you know, if, if he started using some of those techniques when, when he's using his CPD, how do you make sure that they are using the right facts i suppose yeah absolutely and thanks mr t for the question mr t does history <laughs> i did i i listened to your episode it's absolutely brilliant and um and uh yeah sounds fun sounds fascinating what you do I'd love to love to get involved um so to answer your question how do you ensure accuracy as well as creativity because like i said in drama you can just be wrong uh <laughs> yeah, yeah of, course, of course you can't of course you can't um when it comes to when it comes to history it's the context is immensely important and um i think history is a really really valuable uh topic because especially at the moment we need to learn from our historical mistakes mm -hmm. um uh and I, we won't get too political but we need to learn and we need to make sure that, that those mistakes that happened in the past don't happen again so history is immensely important how do we ensure accuracy i think what you talked about earlier, Claire, and you, you just mentioned it was that scaffolding and that, um, that, that way that we build, the way that we build knowledge. So when I'm in a classroom, obviously on this, on this podcast, I'm whizzing through ideas and, and, and trying to give a little bit so that teachers can maybe try something. Um, but I've been doing this for, for, for a long time. And I think sometimes separating the performing arts objectives from the, academic objectives learning objectives can be really helpful um so when i'm teaching that freeze frame activity often before we even talk about the historical story or the the, the the topic that we're doing we'll just teach about freeze frames so we'll say what makes a good freeze frame what makes a picture really interesting is it levels is it facial expressions make sure we're facing the audience and we'll We'll not just discuss, but we'll perform a couple of silly ones first. So, for example, what a terrible classroom looks like. And the children love that because they can be the teacher and, and whatever else. Um, and, really... and that one's in the forefront of their minds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they, what are you saying about my lessons there, Claire? <laughs> uh, no, of course. Nothing, nothing. No, 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 of course. Um, so, yeah, they love that. 
Um, so we, we learn what makes a good freeze frame first, and then we move on to the, to the story. And that layering and that structure, if you told the whole story of, of Julius Caesar from his birth to his death, my goodness, so much information, children wouldn't be able to process it. I wouldn't be able to process it. I'd get bored. Um, I probably wouldn't want to teach that class. But if we take it in chunks and go, right, here's the first part. Let's tell that story. Let's listen. And the purpose of you listening is to try and make the best freeze frame you possibly can. It gives the children a purpose to concentrate, to process the information, to consider the characters, I call them characters, but to consider the, 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 the real life people in that story. And then you, you make that freeze frame. They've done that work. And then they can come back and they can learn the next part of the story. And not only that, but they're, they're sequencing the story. They're, they're working out what's important in it. They're identifying for themselves the facts and the figures. So I think that to ensure accuracy, you need to be accurate. First of all, you do need to know your facts and you do need to know what goes in. And, and, and the facilitators at One Day, um, we, do, we have amazing content packs that are written by specialists across the country who put that uh, historical um, context in and the facts in the figures, the years, um, so that we have all that we're armed to go in with that. So we have to be specialists in the area first. Um, and that just involves, unfortunately, a bit of, not unfortunately, but it involves a bit of research. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think, I, th I think that's, does that answer your question? Do you think that answers Mr. Yeah. T's question? Oh, well, I'll, I'll leave Stuart, that to him. Stuart, what do you think? Um, <laughs> But I think, you know, what I feel like I am picking up from what you're saying, and, and I think this is right, is that especially, you know, if, if you're going to do drama in your classroom and say you're going to do it in a history topic or, or even science, mm -hmm. you're not it's not about going in at the end of the topic and going, make a drama about that. It's about picking a small moment or in a story or a small concept and doing something around that and building it out and and you know building on it from what the children create or building on it as you move through a story or something like that i think that that's what i'm hearing from you is that it's important to find a detail and go right let's take this and do something with that i i you're summarizing my words more efficiently than i could ever do claire that was <laughs> i like that um uh, I think, yeah, definitely. I've been, so obviously I'm, we're all still learning as teachers and as, as educators, we're all still learning. And I, I have a wonderful uh, mentor who, who comes to my lesson and observes me sometimes. And she often tries to, she tells me I'm just trying to stuff too much in the lesson, trying to put too much in. Um, and I think starting with a really small concept or a small idea, um, the temptation is I need more content because I'm afraid at the end of the lesson, maybe there won't be enough to do or um, the children won't have learned enough and the temptation is always there. Um, but yeah, you can do so much with something really small and you can do a whole program of work on a single page of a book. You can, especially with drama, because it takes a bit of time to, to not just do a performance, but to discuss what we're going to perform, how we're going to create that freeze frame, maybe get into the character a little bit more and allowing that time in primary school, especially, I think think you can have that time because you've got all day and you can flex the timetable a little bit. Secondary school, it is harder to find that time within an hour long or an hour and a half uh, lesson. So, um, so yeah, allowing time for drama is, is really important, but taking that concept and, and, and making it wide uh, and, and building from that moment, definitely worthwhile, uh, really, really helpful. And yeah, a good, a good point well made. That you that you made really. I just... oh, uh... <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, so I did ask if you wanted to answer this question because um, I know you've not done your PGC, but you have been in school for a very long time now. Yeah. Um, if you could wave a magic wand, how would you solve the life work balance problem? I I love the answers to this question on every single one of your podcasts um, because it's really really important and. So the answer I didn't give when you asked me why I didn't become a teacher was partly this. Um, I did I did wonder, actually. I thought, shall I start with that? I thought, no, I'll wait and see if you mention it. Yeah. Uh, so I I try and be positive all the, as much as possible. Um, but there is a real life work balance problem. And I don't feel like teachers get enough respect in, in, in the society. I think that often they're not respected by parents, the community, the government sometimes a lot of the time. 
um, and 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 that all feeds into a real life work balance problem. And it's really interesting um, working with now teach who the recruitment, uh, the, not the recruitment, who the the, the training uh, teacher training organisation who work with career changes. And I get people coming in from all different um, different careers. And often they'll come, they'll phone up. This is their first conversation with someone they're considering coming into teaching. And they say, um, oh, I, I, I want a better work-life balance, which is why I'm coming into teaching. And it shocks me every time because I think that the view of teachers is that you have a six-week holiday in the summer and you have two weeks off at Easter and you've got these half terms and Christmas is... And people see it like that and they think that teachers... and it shocks me because as soon as you tell them the school day starts at, well, I mean, you tell me when it starts, but 7.30, 8, 6 sometimes for some 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 teachers. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you say that, they go, oh. And then you say, well, and you might not leave till 4, 5, 6 in the evening, sometimes like, they go, wow, I didn't, I didn't realise. It, it's like they forget that you have to plan your own lessons and yeah. know what, you, what you're doing and you can't do that within a lesson. It's it shocks me. It really does because teachers work so immensely hard um, that they deserve they deserve better. So how would I solve the problem? Frankly, um, I think we just need more teachers. We need more investment. We need more trained staff to work with children, and that doesn't necessarily just mean um, teachers, but people like me, forest school leaders, people like um, like your last guest who worked in PE, people who can take the load off a little bit and take. So I think that how to solve the life work balance problem with teachers um i just think we need more teachers i think we need more people who can work with children and and take a little bit of pressure off one teacher especially in primary schools one teacher one class and in secondary schools that incredibly full timetable teaching a wide variety of subjects i've got some friends who teach subjects that they really don't feel confident in because there's a shortage um we need a big push to to recruit and train more teachers that that involves frankly more more cash um teachers aren't paid uh, aren't paid as well as they should be uh and it is as simple as that uh, as far as i'm concerned we need more more of them and we need good quality training we need respect for teachers and te- teaching staff um, and we need lots of interesting ways to to enhance the curriculum so actually bringing bringing in people like myself and um, other facilitators sports coaches forest schools um really really important so i don't, i i hope that answers your question um and i hope it, i hope it i hope it um you are, you ask for more money and more staff that's definitely magic wand <laughs> <laughs> yeah you did ask yeah that's true <laughs> um, yeah that's the difficulty isn't it there's just not enough time to be able to do the job and all the preparation and and i don't think we'll ever get away from that so if it's ever going to be solved, it's going to need, you know, we can't add more time in. So we're going to have to find more people um, to use more time. Uh, so I agree with that. Um, okay. Where do you think education is going to go in the next 10 years? Where's education going to go in the next 10 years? Uh, so who knows? Um, and I'm sure you get this quite a lot. It will change. I can't give a prediction. It will change with governments. It will change with with styles and politics and all of that which is unfortunately that it's at the whim of of, of politics but um i do see did i do see digital learning becoming an immensely popular thing we're already seeing google classrooms microsoft teams being rolled out um even uh yeah one day uno um and other digital learning platforms come, becoming a big thing and i think that digital learning will become massive um i also think that we do need to focus more on the whole child and making sure that we learn how to how to get along, how to be innovators, problem solvers, creators, how to be empathetic. Because the we-, we have to think about what what education is for. And some people might say it's it's for the world of work, so preparing children for the world of work. Whereas others say there's a hidden curriculum where we're building up children how to get along and and help helping children, supporting children to do that. Um, there's there's all there's a bit of everything there. Um, but the world of work's changing massively. The labour force is changing. We're looking at more mechanised jobs, more computerised jobs. Um, we're looking at um, essentially uh, jobs that can be done by robots w- will be done by robots eventually, and unfortunately, which means that we need a different kind of work and a different way of living. Um, so we need to learn how to get along and we need to learn how to innovate and problem solve rather than um, retain facts and 
and just regurgitate them. So I, I hope that education goes towards a, a more holistic, a more caring and a, and a, a, yeah, a better, a better funded model. It's interesting because actually I think, you know, many people are in agreement that we actually need to make sure that there's a lot more problem solving in the curriculum. Um, and particularly with maths, we've looked at that more. But what you're saying is, so, so what's happened is we've kind of taken the, the creative side away uh, and then said we need more problem solving. But what you're saying is, no, we need this side to be good at the problem solving, which Absolutely. is really interesting. Um, so recently, I can't remember who wrote it, but um, as a team, we did a session with um, this guy who runs an improvisation company and he's just written a book called Improvise. Okay. Um, and that was really good. And to be fair, it was this very similar thing. It was like we improvise every day in our work, um, and 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 we did some drama games and things like that. Um, so I think you're onto something there, which is which is really interesting. We're kind of saying we need these skills in the workplace because all these jobs are going to be able to be automated. But then we've taken the creative side away, and obviously, loads of schools are still cultivating that but a lot of the funding has gone hasn't it for for those kind of roles yeah. uh, you know I've got friends on on Facebook who I did performing arts with and um, some of them went into teaching and I think somebody's been made redundant or had the contract um, sort of finished for the life for the third time or something mm. because they're teaching arts so it's, it's difficult it is, it's fascinating and do you know the I think the most in, I've talked a lot about me, unfortunately, in this in this podcast. But you look at some of the people I went to university with, and the people I've studied with, and they they studied drama, and they went maybe wanting to become actors. And and the vast array of jobs that the this group of people now have is unbelievable. Obviously, there are some who are still actors, some stand up comedians, some who are still in performance. But we've got people who are security, not just security guards, but heads of security, heads of department at, at, at major airports. We've got people who are. Um, camera people we've got people who are project managers itt specialists and it's incredible to see how how vast this this set of skills that we learn in performance and learn through creativity can be applied and actually you can have the best idea in the world you could be the most intelligent scientist you could in the history of the world but if you can't communicate that mm. then then there's only so far it'll go so we need a combination of of math, science, we need all these subjects, but they need to be on an equal footing, um, in, in my opinion, because if we lose one, we, we, lose, we lose the whole human, we lose the whole child. So um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. And sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm talking again. <laughs> we, we are getting really deep now, so I'm just gonna come out of that really deep hole yeah, and yeah. Um, ask you, who was your favorite teacher at school and why? Oh, don't make me pick. I had some lovely teachers. And if any of them are listening to this, I want, you have to say thank you to your teachers. You have to, because, yeah, they were brilliant. Um, oh, no, don't make me pick. I had some brilliant teachers. I had Mr. Penman. He was inspirational, an English teacher. Um, absolutely wonderful man um, and really intelligent, uh, highly respected. Mr. Penman, an English teacher. Miss Lloyd, of course, our drama teacher. She was just brilliant, um, a real force think Judy Dench, but in a school. Um, who else? Oh, so many. I had so many good teachers. Um, but yeah, those two really stand out. Cool. Thank you. I, I thought you was going to say every drama teacher I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, no, there, no, there were so many good ones. My geography teacher, Mr. Goodwin, was great fun. And yeah, so many. And um, I think you mentioned this already, but what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, do you know, because I listened to your podcast and I was worried you were going to ask this at the end. Um, my mum always tells the story that when I was little, I wanted to be an oven glove. Um, <laughs> so uh, a little bit embarrassing. I, I, I gave up that. My aspirations were too high. I gave up on that fairly, um, fairly <laughs> swiftly. And at one point I wanted to be a taxi driver. And, you know, at some point, I, th I think maybe when I'm, I'm super I'm older, I might become a taxi driver. <laughs> uh, so and an actor and an actor um then I think I settled on an actor at one point I also wanted to be a, a sociologist like my mum but I think um I'm really happy where I am now I've got to be honest I love working with children I think we're really privileged to be in that position I'm glad that I always ask this question because if somebody asked me I actually don't know the answer I don't yeah. I don't know what I wanted to be I didn't know 
you didn't have an oven glove or a, 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 yeah, I don't know. A, no oven glove. I knew no that I did glove. not want to be a teacher. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I knew, just not to want to be a teacher. When did that Maybe. change? When did that change? Um, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was, um, I got to the end of, uh, of my degree. So, sorry for people who've already heard this story. Um, I got to the end of my performing arts degree and thought, okay, what do I do now? And then there was talk in my house, um, my student house of, oh, we'll, we'll go to London and get an agent. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like, that means working at Mark and Spencer's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or in a bar or a pub in London and not having enough money to live. So probably not going to do that. And then um, I decided that I wasn't going to go into teaching for the teaching. I was going to, I was going to teach secondary because I was going into it because I loved performance and I'd get to direct and choreograph everything. <laughs> and also, also there was funding for that. And so that's why I went into teaching because I thought, well, at least I'd be able to sort of still do all the performances and things. Um, but I actually quite liked the teaching bit of it. I, I, I really did like it a lot. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people go in almost a bit I don't know some people go in a bit afraid of the actual teaching or the the students especially the, yeah speaking to a lot of um career changes recently that the big fear is this the students and student behavior mm. but do you know like that's the that's the best bit it's the best bit is engaging the worst bit is the the um the tracking of the data and the uh the inputting information and the, the reports at the end of the year and all of that that's the difficult bit the enjoyable bit is working with the students yeah that's when that's when you become a really good problem solver yourself when that's you, true. When you're dealing with year nines who are forced to do performing arts every, every four <laughs> times a week. Oh, I do, I do. I do love year nines. I do love year nines. They're, they're a good year group. Good year group. Um, and everyone who's listening from a primary background can be really happy that you don't teach year nines. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. And and yeah, um, it's it. Year nines a difficult year. Um, because, they're, be, they're... because they just don't know who they are do they and they've got so no. many hormones going around and unfortunately you're an easy target <laughs> you're a very easy target and they're also they don't have anything to really work towards yet they're sort of just before their GCSE two years they're where the focus is GCSEs and so they don't have that focus and that drive they don't know who they are they're sort of in the middle they've got used to the school now um and yeah I've had some some interest in year nines up in yeah I, I've had up in Liverpool um they just know how to pick on pick on your your points that you you really don't want to talk about. So my hairline, obviously, as I grow older. Yeah, um, that you're concerned about yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like they just know, don't they? They're just like, right, what would you be really upset yeah, about? Exactly. But- and you, you keep you keep your you keep your mask on, you keep your cool, and you go outside and you go, Oh, you really got to me that one. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I'm going back into yeah. school, I'm a teacher, and I'm being bullied. Yeah. Just, yeah yeah but anyway let's stop let's stop whinging now so no. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on the teachers podcast um i'm excited to to hear if anyone gets creative um after this chat i think you know we've, we've talked about some really good um places to start haven't we um mm-hmm. in in different lessons so so i hope that everybody found that useful thank you so much thank you for having me Thank you for listening. I really hope that you experience a moment where a child in your class can encounter something new, deepen their learning in a new way and connect with their classmates on a new level. I believe that Clem is right about play and that it is an important part of what we do. I've had many guests on the podcast who have said the same thing and that it's not just for early years. I guess you could say that we turn our play into drama as we get older and that it's a legitimate tool for learning and exploring concepts. I'd love to hear how you implement drama and a free-to-frame activity over the next few weeks. How could you take a moment in one of the stories you're telling this week, it doesn't matter what the subject is, English, history, geography, science, and create a depth of understanding in your children by following Clem's method. I challenge you to take action before Christmas. You'll find everything that Clem and I talked about in the show notes. You can follow me on Twitter at Claire underscore Riley underscore TP, on Instagram, The Teacher's Podcast, on Facebook, The Teacher's Podcast, or also on Facebook. Join me in The Teacher's Podcast community. 
I also really appreciate reviews of the podcast. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.